You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. It is Tuesday, December 19th, six short days until Christmas. And with that, we're talking Royals baseball today with Jeffrey Flanagan, our Royals reporter for MLB.com. Jeffrey, we thank you uh, so much for the time. And uh, as I said, less than one week until the Christmas holiday. And with that, we're going to kind of end the podcast with some uh, holiday-themed questions, if you will. We'll have a a little bit of fun. But uh, first, I want to get a couple of uh, news updates on your end, beginning first and foremost with uh, Ned Yost. As uh, everybody knows by now, had that uh, terrifying fall from a tree uh, about a month, month and a half ago, if memory serves. And uh, it was... I don't think people realized at the time how serious this was and how life-threatening this was, but it was indeed all those things. But give us an update on Ned, and it seems like he's getting better with each passing day. Yeah, there's uh, some good news there. He had actually had a checkup last night uh, to to check on his progress, and he's up to the stage. He's he's out of the uh, easy chair, which he had been stuck to for 23 and a half hours a day, and uh, then a little wheelchair. Now he's actually uh, using crutches. Uh, uh, for small sample sizes, I mean, we're not talking, you know, uh, walking around Georgia, the state of Georgia with it, but he is uh, uh, using crutches for a little bit, getting used to that. So uh, that's all good news. And, uh, you know, we hope to, uh, I don't think we'll see him for Fan Fest at the end of January, but we really hope to see him um, uh, opening a spring training in February. Is, is there an expectation that he's going to be, you know, back on his feet and completely 100% by the time spring training opens up, or could there still be some rehab left by that point? Oh, I think there'll be rehab left. The people I've talked to that uh, know about these types of injuries, take, you know, they take a long, long time to heal, and especially for anyone who's over 60, so it even takes longer. And uh, But, you know, Ned is one of the toughest guys I've ever been around, so... If there's a way he can uh, function normally at spring training, he will do it. Now, as you know, spring training, you know, it's pretty spread out. There are fields everywhere, and there's a lot of walking around. And I just kind of wonder how that will affect him. Um, so I, I don't know for a fact if he's going to be 100. percent I don't know that he won't be. Uh, I think uh, it's just it's too early to tell. We're still whatever it is, seven weeks away from spring training, and uh, hopefully, he continues to heal and, and progress. Jeffrey, uh, have you spoken with uh, him one-on-one yet? Can you speak to his demeanor and his mood since this whole thing happened? Yeah, actually, uh, I was the one who kind of broke the story oh, okay. uh, about a month ago that this was really a life-threatening deal. And we spoke one-on-one for oh, probably about 30 minutes one morning. And um, that's when I kind of – the gravity of the situation set in with me as he talked a lot about, uh, you know, laying on the ground and, and, and wondering how bad it was. He didn't think it was that bad at first. And, and then when he got to the hospital, the doctors, the surgeon actually told him, you know, uh, we thought we were going to lose you on the table. We thought we were going to bleed out. We just could not stop the bleeding. And that's when reality set in for him, too, and his wife, Deborah. Um, they, they, at that time, they didn't think it was life-threatening, but obviously it was. Yeah, obviously, and uh, we hope that Santa brings him a speedy recovery uh, underneath his Christmas tree because uh, the game is better with Ned Yost. I think we can all agree on that point. Absolutely, and uh, we hope that his recovery continues to go well and that he's uh, back on his feet 100% by the time that spring training rolls around. As you said, not too far from now. It's uh, You look at the calendar, and it's it's coming up quick. So uh, hopefully we, we uh, wish the best here for Ned Yost, of course. Uh, Jeffrey, switching gears here. Of course, uh, you know, all eyes continue to be uh, on Eric Hosmer, part of a, uh, you know, marquee uh, free agent class. He's one of the uh, the big names out there. And 
it seemed like, you know, I mean, you hear his name attached to uh, a couple of teams. We've heard Padres in recent weeks. We've heard Red Sox in recent weeks. But now, uh, just yesterday, as we're speaking here on a Tuesday, uh, the Red Sox re-signing uh, their first baseman from last year, Mitch Moreland, to a two-year deal. So that theoretically takes them out of the uh, Hosmer sweepstakes. So now, if you're a Royals fan and you see this and you see that one of the potential suitors for Hosmer is, is pretty much out of the race, you know, is there is there a pulse here? Is is there some glimmer of hope that maybe, just maybe, something could get done between Hosmer and the Royals? I think there is. I mean, uh, you know, it was kind of assumed that the Red Sox were going to at least make a strong bid for him, and they were you know, maybe one of the few remaining big market teams who – you know, could lay out that kind of money. And, and then the Mitch Moreland signing came on, which, you know, really kind of hit everybody by surprise. I mean, I don't think anybody in Boston uh, saw that coming. I, I didn't read any tweets or anything like that that it was even rumored. Um, so that, that definitely takes them out. We would think it takes them out of the, the Hosmer sweepstakes, as, as you mentioned. And, um, you know, now, you know, it could come down to the Royals and the Padres of all teams, the two small market teams. Uh, we don't know yet. I mean, there could be. Uh, there's always a mystery bidder out there that we haven't identified yet. But um, certainly, if the Royals do get into that situation, and um, he's been a target since the end of you know end of the regular season, they've always wanted him. Even though they're going through a rebuild, uh, they really like his presence in the clubhouse. Obviously, he's very productive on the field. Um, he's great in the community. He's, he's the type of guy they would like to sign long term and. You know, maybe even be a George Brett type here, you know, or he ends his career here, like Alex Gordon probably will. Uh, but it's going to take some financial maneuvering because Dayton Moore told me at the at the winter meetings that if by some chance they could, you know, re-sign him, they are going to have to shave payroll. They do not want to go over 120 million in payroll this year. Uh, they would even like to shave it below that. So if you take off, you know, add uh, I'm sorry, if you add 18 to 20 for whatever Haas was is worth on the market, well, that's got to get, you got to balance the book somewhere. So it'll take some creativity for Dayton to do that. Um, and, but it's, it's, you know, like you said, it's got a pulse right now, uh, much more than it did two days ago. Yeah, it sure seems that way. And uh, Jeffrey, to me, and I'm sure to you too, uh, Hosmer is one of the more fascinating cases in free agency this off season, because the arguments I hear against him is that, well, for a first baseman, he's not a power guy. You know, he's a mid 20 homers guy. The argument against that is, well, he plays 81 of his games in cavernous <laughs> Kauffman Stadium. So you put him right. almost anywhere else. Maybe he hits you 30, 35. You know, is the truth somewhere in the middle? Or, you know, how do you assess that part of Hosmer's game? Well, I, I think it, there's no question. Look, if he played at Camden Yards, Yankee Stadium, perhaps even Fenway, uh, I know I've seen the metrics, you know, that say, well, it wouldn't make that much of a difference. But, you know, that's from past hitting. You know, players at Kauffman Stadium – don't swing for the fences because it's fruitless. I mean, you're just going to hit a lot of fly balls to the, to the warning track. So I think if he went one of, one of those places, especially his opposite field power, at Camden Yards, are you kidding me? I, I think he did 40 or 45 there. Um, he, he's such a he's, – he's one of the best, maybe not – maybe even the best opposite field hitter in baseball. Get him to a short park, um, those numbers are going to skyrocket. So uh, that, that, that part of the argument I don't buy at all. You know, and I also don't buy the argument that, you know, he's not a gold glove first baseman because I've watched pretty much every single game he's played, and there's over a 1,000 of them uh, with the Royals, and he is a magician around first base. Does not have great range. I will concede that. He will concede that. But he's probably saves, 
anywhere from 40 to 70 errors a year with his ability around first base to not just scoop balls on errant throws, but balls that are way high, way right, way left. Um, I, I've never seen anybody that good uh, at, at saving errant throws, and, and, and that just saves you a ton of outs, a ton of wear and tear on a pitching staff, not to mention all the runs you save. Um, that part of his game is vastly overlooked by uh, some of the so-called advanced metrics. Well, one thing we know for sure, Scott Boris is making all these same arguments <laughs> in, in favor of his client. Because you think so? You think he's, gonna, he's tuned into that? One or two. One or two, yeah. I, I think he's definitely got these things on a, you know, rehearsed a word for word as he tries to get his guy uh, nine figures and then some, and we'll see uh, how that transpires throughout the course of the winter here. So, Jeffrey, as we uh, come down the home stretch, let's have a little bit of fun, as I mentioned. Of course, with Christmas uh, just six days away, a few Christmas-themed questions with regards uh, to the Kansas City Royals. So, Jeffrey, let's start here. Which player would make the best department store Santa Claus on this Royals team? That's got. That's the easiest one of all. That's got to be Salvador Perez. Yeah. Uh, I, I could just see him in the Santa Claus outfit, the white beard, smiling all the time, bouncing kids off his knees, um, and he would. He would love it. Uh, uh, fans would love it. Uh, that's a no-brainer. All right. Awesome. Uh, question two, Jeffrey. Uh, which player or players do you see being part of a a Christmas caroling group going door to door on Christmas Day? <laughs> well, you know, uh, a year ago. Uh, it would have to be Gerard Dyson because he could never sh- shut up in the clubhouse. He was singing all the time. That guy this year was Danny Duffy, uh, especially if he had a start that night. He'd be singing, whether it was reggae or, or R&B or even country music. I mean, he would be singing. He's got an awful voice, and it was just <laughs> hilarious to hear. So I, I would like to see that happen, uh, caroling. I mean, they, they might just shut the door on him and pull the shades. Yeah, and maybe that would be a hint, but uh, he might not take it. Uh, Jeffrey, question three. Of course, as we all know, uh, little Ralphie from A Christmas Story, all he wanted, all he wanted that Christmas was his Red Ryder BB gun. He got it. So the question is, for the Royals, what is their Red Ryder BB gun this season, if you will? Eric Hosmer. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, it just changes the dynamic as they go through this really dramatic rebuild. Um, If you can at least still have Salvador Perez and Eric Hosmer on the team, uh, I think for the fan base, that would be huge. Uh, just the reputation they have around the league. Um, Eric Hosmer is just one of those tremendous influences in the clubhouse. Um, and, and if you're going to go youth and bring a lot of young comes up, uh, young kids come up, uh, he's a perfect kid, a perfect guy to shepherd in these kids. And Jeffrey, the final question here. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, we'll see a case where a player and a team's fan base need to kind of kiss and make up after a rough season. So, from that regard, who needs to step under the theoretical mistletoe and start fresh with the fan base in Kansas City for 2018? I think I'd probably say Ian Kennedy because he's, he's got three more years. You know, some of the other guys have had rough years like Soria, Herrera, and so forth. You know, they might get traded, but Ian Kennedy's going to be here with the length of his contract. And uh, after a really terrific start last year in April, uh, he got hurt, never was the same again. And I know the fan base got really down on him as he continued to, to serve up gopher balls and uh, his ERA kept skyrocketing. And uh, I think he's going to bounce back big time. But uh, I think after his first year where he had, a, I think, a 3.68 ERA and fans were pretty happy with him, they were equally as down on him last year. So 
that's a relationship that, that definitely could use a mistletoe. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And sometimes, you know, you don't find out until the offseason that a guy for, you know, weeks or even months on end was pitching through pain, pitching through an injury, and that right. uh, could cause a downturn in some numbers. That happened with Kennedy, and hopefully a bounce back is uh, in store for 2018. Jeffrey Flanagan, great stuff as always. Uh, thank you for the time, and a happy holiday to you and your family. Uh, we will talk again, I believe, sometime in 2018. In the meantime, it's Matt Waymar signing off for MLB.com Extras, Kansas City Royals. <laughs>